welcome to Great Minds. And our guest today from the faraway destination of Geneva is Micha Mikek. Micha is the founder and CEO of Seltra. Seltra is one of the companies that is truly sitting right in that epicenter of technology, creativity. They are in the midst of so much exciting stuff. It's a cloud-based company. It's a progressive company. They are winning industry awards all over the world. Tremendous, tremendous work. Uh, and we are very happy to have you here with us. We're proud to have Seltra as a partner of ours at Advertising Week, Micha. And I'm thrilled to get a chance to have you on Great Minds here today. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Uh, nice meeting you and thank you for having me on. It's great. So, Miha, you come from uh, a little place, Slovenia. Uh, you uh, went to undergrad back home, went to graduate school in Boston at a very exciting time in our industry. Boston is an epicenter for a lot of what is driving the global economy today. Uh, but I'd love to start by talking about remembrances of your native land of Slovenia. You way, way over index on producing people like yourself who end up in tech, whose impact far extends beyond the borders of a relatively small country. So I'd love to start by talking about Slovenia and what it is about that place that seems to produce so much talent in tech in particular, but talent in general. Yeah, good question. So, you know, whenever I'm trying to explain to my friends, um, you know, what Slovenia is really good at is, um, you know, producing talent in, in sports. Like, I think this is, you know, the, uh, like the most amazing fact about Slovenia. I'm so proud that we are a small nation, only 2 million people, but um, I mean, uh, literally in every sport we have, um, some people really at the top of the you know, world-class kind of leagues, uh, whether it's like even N NHL, um, you know, we have some amazing players there like Peter to um, clearly like NBA. If you look at, you know, cyclists, we have, I mean, you know, some of the best cyclists in the world. Uh, when, you, when you think about like nearly any other sport, we have some, some extremely successful uh, people there. And, and I, I, I always wondered, like, why um, are we as a nation so ambitious, so ambitious when it gets to sports, and why is not happening that in business? Because in business, we we do have also a number of good uh, stories there, but you know, we we haven't really produced uh, the the likes of let's say, Spotify or you know some other big success. Back in the days, like Estonia produced a lot of these amazing you know uh, digital brands like Skype and so on. Um, but you know, I think the the times are changing. Uh, we we do uh, see a very vibrant uh, community of startups. There's also more and more people who are investing in the space, and also we do have a number of successful individuals in, in Silicon Valley, and, you know, being part of the the executive teams and also founding teams uh, in in startups across Europe and also and also North America. So yeah, I, I would say it's. Um, you know, it's a small nation, but uh, maybe also uh, my generation uh, went through this like super interesting times. Uh, we've all been kind of like born and raised in ex-Yugoslavia, so it was a, one of the socialistic 
countries, uh, but I would say like the least socialistic in that sense or the, the most open to the West. We've been always uh, on Slovenia, the northern part, the trading hub uh, for the entire uh, Yugoslavia with Western Europe and US. So there are a lot of people who actually have been really kind of connected to, uh, to, to, the, to the Western system. So, and then obviously like, you know, going through the transition uh, when the entire Eastern Bloc opened up and then seeing the spur of entrepreneurial activity, um, you know, I personally was the right age at the time, really was a moment uh, for inspiration. And so just, yeah, like a mix of kind of like, you know, on one side is hungerness uh, for what was going on in the West. On the other side, I would say like this creativity and inventiveness that you need to learn in any socialistic system. You know, it's, uh, it's also invaluable uh, when you, if you can master both on one side, uh, you know, understand how to kind of navigate these like very rigid systems to, you know, to kind of like get to what you want. And on the other side, like, um, you know, you understand how the Western market work, work like work, uh, it's, it's pretty powerful. So yeah, that, that's kind of like what, what I would say is special about it, but um, I'm, uh, very proud to be a Slovenian in that sense and um, yeah, like hopefully we'll see more people coming out of uh, the place to do great things in business. Fantastic story. Two million people certainly punching way, way, way above your weight. Uh, I remember when I went to college, uh, I made a decision to go down to Atlanta in Georgia, which is about 800 miles from New York, and I thought that was a long way you made a very different decision to go to graduate school, and that was to go from Slovenia to Boston, to Babson. Talk about that decision. Uh, you're a young guy going all the way across the world. I'm guessing you spoke English, uh, but talk about that decision to go from Slovenia and undergrad to go to Babson and graduate school in Boston. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, U.S. is, is world famous when it gets to, uh, to uh, universities and also grad schools and particularly business schools. So I think a lot of people, uh, you know, not, not just kind of like in Eastern Bloc, but around the world aspire to, to go and study and not just study, but also uh, to kind of get a, an entry ticket into a market that's very interesting because, you know, just it's, it's big. It, uh, it is uh, when it gets to business like extremely well developed or world-class in many areas and then you know great talent very diverse uh, access to capital and so there's many reasons why people you know aspire uh, for that so i uh, you know was kind of like thinking about this uh, at early age uh, you know wanting to study in us also just if you know, anyone that has some kind of advent like an adventure <laughs> adventure in himself like wants to uh, to explore, like go outside of the comfort zone or the world that uh, you're, you know, the familiar world and, and, and go do uh, something else like on the other side of the globe. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people. So I was really drawn by uh, both like the just, you know, great schools, the, the, you know, the idea that I could actually do something entrepreneurial uh, in US because it's such a great market. You know, I always say like if you if you go to, to build a business in US, it's kind of you want to go and play at the Olympics. Yeah, you know, you, you're not like staying in a small market, but uh, really, you know, uh, yeah, like going somewhere where you know you have really um, a lot of opportunities to you know to do something big. So uh, so yeah, that was the motivation. I think these days it's quite common. Uh, there's um, clearly like you know. Uh, 
uh, I mean, it's been 15 years ago, and um, I would say like every next generation is more more um, uh, kind of like living more of a global life, uh, and um, yeah. So uh, even back then, it was not like uh, totally unusual. But you know, this is kind of what uh, what uh, motivated me to to go and and study in the US. Fantastic. And let's talk about uh, what was before Seltra. You had a family business. Was it in the chemical world? Yeah, I mean, that was uh, not really planned. So uh, first of all, I studied economics back in Slovenia. I was uh, always entrepreneurial as a kid, like part of my family, uh, you know, was uh, was entrepreneurial. So I guess I picked uh, I picked that from um, from from a few members, and then you know, my father was actually you know uh, uh, running like larger corporations, but was a chemical engineer and. Um, you know, ultimately uh, became a president of a German uh, uh, public company for the entire Asia. So as a kid, I spent a lot of time abroad and also in Asia. And so I picked that kind of adventures outside uh, from from my dad. So um, you know, my dad passed, and I uh, I took over the the family business uh, that he founded like uh, late in his career when. He basically exited the corporate world. Uh, it was quite an early stage startup, uh, like in chemicals, as you mentioned. Uh, so I was not like you know studying that, and uh, there was no plan for me to really take over this business. Um, but I did because you know just uh, yeah I wanted to to really kind of like uh, um, I didn't want to like just to kind of like uh, you know left the business. Kind of like you know uh, fail after after my my dad passed so uh, it was a good experience you know because uh, definitely was a um, uh, I was not in a comfort zone uh, I needed to, to learn quickly uh, I did it for three years uh, ultimately sold the business uh, that was my really kind of first business experience and with that I uh, applied to Babson it was also a very kind of last-minute decision we were negotiating the sale of the company um, you know, literally, you know, uh, all the way until a week before the deadline for for applying to to business schools, and so I just flew to Boston, went straight, uh, you know, for an interview, and and I told that story, and also I think because I was like the first Slovenian uh, ever to apply uh, to Babson to graduate school, that was also an interesting aspect, <laughs> and. Uh, Anyways, like they offered me uh, the opportunity to study there, so I just, you know, I did everything uh, very, very quickly. But, you know, Boston became for me then really the place where I started, um, you know, developing these ideas for, you know, what's next. And it was, uh, it was a good place to be at the time, like, you know, 2005, 2006. Um, also, Boston as a technology hub was, uh, was uh, you know, doing really, really well, and I was always super interested in that space so uh so boston is really where i started kind of like uh yeah like learning about the tech and and, and making the connections that ultimately led me to uh to to start seltra great stuff so you led me exactly where i wanted to go Micha, which is the origin of seltra so it sounds like this was something that you were up late at night thinking about in your late hours when most of us are sleeping. I know I'm not inventing technology companies while I'm half asleep late at night, but evidently you were. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know how, how you knew about that, but uh, 
you know, I also uh, I like to work at night, or at least I used to to work a lot at night. Um, and when I say work, of course, like during the day, lots going on. But at night, um, uh, it gets kind of quiet, and there's this sense that you have, you know, eternity. You have like all the time you need. Uh, and so that's also, um, you know, one night I just I was, you know, thinking about all these things, and I said, okay, if I'm gonna do it, then I just need to, to really kind of like do something like incorporate the company so I went on mycorporation.com it was like a hundred bucks uh, you can just yeah like uh, pretty much buy the all the the paperwork that needs to be filed and uh, and um, and that was kind of really the beginning of such it was a school project uh, Babson has a, a course it's called uh, uh, intensity entrepreneurial track you know something like that hopefully I didn't you know uh, <laughs> Uh, butcher the name of, of that course, but anyways, it was an interesting um, class uh, taught by uh, several uh, professors who were before that also entrepreneurs. Um, you know, at the time one one of them was like Craig Benson, the founder of Cabletron. Um, it was a pretty successful, uh, you know, company. And yeah, I just signed up for this class, uh, pitched uh, idea that was very different than you know what the company actually. Uh, then became and uh, but got into that class and uh, and that's how I kind of like started with a few of my uh, school friends. Um, so I wasn't alone. It was a group of us, but um, you know, I kind of uh, was uh, the the only person after the the project was done and we got our grade uh, to really kind of pursue uh, the uh, the business. Fantastic stuff. So let's talk about that time period. 2005, 2006, very, very different era of the internet. You know, Mark Zuckerberg was still uh, just getting out of uh, Harvard as a student. We were still right about on the edge of the iPhone. Uh, we were still a couple of years away from YouTube. Yep. None of the topics that we're talking about today, Micha, certainly things like AI and retail media and so much of the space that Seltra is involved in bringing together that, you know, merger, if you will, of technology and creativity. But talk about the landscape back then, 2005, 2006, what you saw then, and some reflections on the journey since then, as we now stand on the edge of 2024. Yes, uh, it was a good time, very interesting time. So for me, the one thing that I was really interested in and I deeply believe is going to change the world and also create opportunities is, uh, is mobile communication and, and mobile internet. So that was a pre-iPhone era, but you know, first of all, like uh, the time in Europe, uh, the, all pretty much mobile carriers started uh, developing interesting uh, services uh, that were that were basically like you know offered uh, from you know various ways to kind of message exchange content even you know first attempts of mobile TV uh, mobile payments uh, just you know a, a lot of different like ideas that obviously today are most of these ideas you know came to life uh, with uh, with iPhone and Android uh, and and obviously like in in Kind of ways that we couldn't imagine back then, but it was clear that, that mobile is is a big wave. That you know the the penetration of mobile devices is is changing the game. So you know I wanted to do something in mobile, 
And uh, the first idea that, uh, that we pitched as, as a group in the class was, was mobile payments company because I also at the time started uh, networking and I, um, you know, I just like the entire kind of idea of mobile payments, something I was very interested in. I uh, also met, uh, you know, a couple of companies that were, that were doing uh, things like in Europe that, you know, I, I thought, okay, this would be great if, uh, if we could do this in, in US in a much bigger way. So that was like the initial idea, but these ideas didn't change a couple of times. Um, so uh, how we got to creative is like uh, the, the, the next step for mobile payments when I realized, okay, that's gonna be a really hard, really hard kind of like space to, to do something meaningful and obviously US, the entire kind of, you know, banking and, um, and also like the care is like, uh, it just wasn't realistic that you know that I could 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 kind of like you know open a, a big opportunity there like without having any you know prior experience and also like you know uh, without a lot of capital and so on. So um, then the the second idea was like working on a on actually consumer uh, you know portal uh, that was uh, the idea was like to exchange uh, you know mobile content. Uh, much like YouTube, but basically downloading various kind of messages and content and sharing peer-to-peer. -peer. And so we, we launched this service. Uh, uh, it was actually called uh, Funky Call, like, uh, you know, funky name, funky content. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, from that point of view, like difficult to, to, to see, you know, how this will, will lead us to, <laughs> to a company like Celtra. But actually it got us uh, in Mashable. Um, and what's also interesting, that was, I think, the, the same day that you know, Mashable also um, uh, you know, posted uh, an article about uh, Twitter. Like Twitter was basically launched and Twitter was a side project of, uh, I think it was like Odeon was the, the original company. Um, there was also, you know, for I think sharing something, like, you know, it was kind of like a audio or podcasting. Some, I, I forgot exactly what that company was, but you know, Twitter was, was launched at the same time. So, uh, you know, that actually Mashable uh, got us some, some inbounds and, uh, and, you know, that basically led us to, uh, to kind of like the ideas on, on marketing and how uh, we could actually, you know, build a service that would be useful for marketers. And this was kind of like the beginning into, but like, you know, at least 10, uh, you know, uh, key steps uh, of iteration before we actually got to, to the first product. Um, which you know uh, really kind of like you know uh, uh, focused on on enabling uh, creative and high impact uh, creative ad formats, um, and that was like a you know uh, was a perfect product, uh, perfect time, great product market fit, and you know once we had that product out, uh, it, it we we really started to kind of like move forward as as a company as a business, and um, yeah, like that's. That was, I would say, like the most uh, crucial moment. So there were really sort of two halves, if you will, to the Celtra journey. Uh, the first half was sort of that bootstrapping phase, as you said, from founding till the mobile web really started to explode, give or take around 2011. And we're now in that second half, which is very much you know, still a work in progress. But let's talk about that bootstrapping phase. You know, it's very, the, the journey of an entrepreneur is unique. Not all of us have the stomach for it. Uh, you've got to be willing to make a bet, in effect, Micha, on yourself. And you were willing to make that bet. 
But talk about those early days, the struggle. I'd imagine there were some moments when you, you know, said quietly to yourself, I don't know if this is going to make it. I think it will. But talk about, you know, maintaining that confidence, if you will, and the uh, intestinal fortitude that uh, is required of an entrepreneur. Yeah, look, I think, you know, there's like a couple of ways how you can get into entrepreneurship. And uh, I would say, you know, there's, uh, you know, three types of, uh, of, of people, right? So there is, um, you know, there are people who actually, you know, are, are really kind of like deeply knowledgeable about the space, you know, they, they worked on something, um, maybe it's part of a, you know, larger organization, uh, or, or even like adjacent industry, but really kind of like uncovered something, um, you know, a problem that they, they kind of like uh, consider needs to be solved and, and, and they just kind of like go in a, in a, in a very kind of mission and driven way to, to solve that problem, right? Then this is kind of like, I would say by the book, probably like the ideal scenario, but um, I would say a lot of people don't, don't go down this path, even if before you mentioned Zuckerberg, like, you know, he didn't start with like, okay, there's a fundamental problem of connecting the world. Like, you know, he basically, uh, you know, started also more kind of bottom up, you know, it's like, okay, it's fine. We can maybe, you know, just connect the, uh, the students at our college and, and, uh, and so on. So the idea really kind of evolved, right? So um, this kind of brings me to the second group, which is, um, you know, the, you have to be interested in, uh, in, in a certain area. Like I just mentioned, okay, you know, uh, mobile is happening or now AI is like happening in a big way. There's like, you know, powerful platforms out there and, um, you know, clearly like lots you can invent on top of these platforms. And, uh, you know, kind of like people just sensing that, um, you know, there, there is something worth like, you know, that it's, it's an opportunity worth like dedicating time is also interesting. And then there's like certain kind of like naivete, you know, that's necessary. And, you know, for these kind of things, it's good to be very young because, you know, uh, the, like, the risk of failing is not very big. Also, you know, there's not, not a lot of people that are dependent on, on you. Like at the time, like there were not a, a lot of people dependent on me. And so you just kind of like, in, you have to have some adventures, you know, uh, gene you and, and kind of pursuing that path. So this is kind of like, um, you know, what, what, what I did. And then I would say there's like the third group of people who do it much later in the career, um, who basically, uh, again, like maybe they, you know, uh, they really mastered something, uh, the big company and, you know, they have the, the contacts, the knowledge, the, you know, the understanding of the market, maybe even the access to clients, raising capital and so on. They do it much later on, but, um, you know, uh, with, with kind of like all this accumulated knowledge. So I'd say like, you know, you can pretty much kind of put uh, entrepreneurs into into these three uh, these three buckets, and as I said, I was like in the second. So, in terms of the struggle, look, I I always looked at this more as a, as a, as an opportunity, right? So maybe because I came from a place, even though it sounds like Slovenia somewhere in the Eastern Bloc, but Slovenia at the time was was a was a country doing really well, like lots of opportunities, like small, but you know, in the middle kind of a, of the Central Europe. Um, you know, the living standard pretty high, many opportunities. And then on top of that, um, also, you know, I just had, um, yeah, like the social network and the family businesses. So for me, it was not like economic migration where I would need to go U.S. to seek better life. If anything, my life in Slovenia was much better in Europe than in the U.S. But 
you know, US, like the adventure, the, the, the potential opportunity to build something much bigger that actually, you know, can have a greater impact was completely a totally different scale. So, you know, for that reason, I never felt like, okay, you know, this is kind of like, I, I had, you know, some financial means from running a company before and selling it. So uh, I didn't have any school, school loans. You know, I had the network back at home to support me. Also the first investments came from basically like family and friends before we raised venture capital. So I, I, I did like feel that, you know, that, that I'm pretty privileged and, and I kind of like uh, experienced this as, a, as, a, as an opportunity challenge. But at the same time, obviously, you know, every entrepreneur or even like if you're you know just kind of like part of a, a a company there's ups and downs and there's days that you you feel like okay i'm up to something very big it's going to change the world and it's going to be so big and then there's days days where you know you feel like okay you know i'm really stuck here um and, and yeah like i i went through these waves as well um uh i think look persistence is is the the single most important thing um you know for in, in entrepreneurship because you know, uh, if if you are endlessly persistent, right? So you, you will, and and that also means that you know your your attitude is endlessly kind of like you know positive, uh, this positive persistence, and you're willing to kind of like learn from all the setbacks, uh, and then like push forward. Um, you know, then ultimately, like you will get to a point where you know you you succeed. Now, obviously, success is a very very relative, you know. Uh, topic but uh but and obviously like you can succeed at many different levels but i do believe i really believe that if you if you are persistent and and you keep pushing forward that you know ultimately um you succeed so um yeah that that kind of like i always had this mindset and never had like a plan b or never really thought about quitting or like okay what's this deadline if we don't raise money then i don't do it uh it was never a question i really enjoyed the journey even when it was super hard you know I don't know that it fits neatly. I like how you describe the, you know, different buckets and types of entrepreneurs. I don't know that it fits in a bucket, but I think one of the common characteristics of an entrepreneur is uh, an unshakable belief in what you're doing in yourself. And, and you clearly had that, Micha. Let's talk about uh, Seltra, I'll call it 2.0, 2011 onward to today talk about your remembrances of that moment in time when the promise of opportunity that mobile created when that opportunity really started to be realized yeah now looking back um obviously like it's uh, everything uh is very clear and kind of like it's, it, it's easy to explain why certain things worked um but you know when uh, when I remember when we were you know back in 2010 2011 you know planning things out it was also very I would say um, it was just a lot of experimentation and um, you know just like a lot like we tried a lot of different things you know before we actually got uh, to the product that actually, you know, achieve that product market fit. But now, uh, you know, explaining what that was is, so back then, um, 2008 iPhone came out and the iPhone also, uh, they opened up the app store, I think it was about like a year or two years later. So around like 2010 is where this explosion of 
of of kind of the whole developing community uh, on on iPhone and then and obviously also Android in parallel. So uh, you know the this like consumption of of pretty much media on mobile devices uh, started to grow like you know exponentially super fast, and every you know every like big company that was that was making money with ads, um, you know, talking about big uh, media companies such as NBCU and, you know, uh, Hearst and Viacom and, you know, everyone else. So they, they were looking for, um, for, for solutions, uh, how to really kind of monetize, uh, how to monetize on, on mobile, obviously like much smaller screen and uh, from advertising perspective, not much you know you you could do there. So the at the beginning you probably remember this like really small banners uh, that were just kind of like a you know a, a finger at the bottom. And so um, you know uh, also at the time uh, I was I, I was already working. Um, so we were about like you know six seven people, and so um, you know three three founders. Uh, and so my co-founder. Um, and Mateo, she, um, you know, is, is an architect and also prior to Seltra, uh, spent time in, in creative agency and really kind of was one of the pioneers on the, you know, the digital side of the marketing, uh, creative guy, like really interested in, in, um, uh, in kind of, uh, you know, uh, coming up with, with solutions, ideas that would really, um, you know, leverage this new channel, like in a super, in a, in, in a, in a creative way. Right. And then on the other side, like, um, you know, I was, I was very interested in, uh, like mobile, the whole mobile wave, uh, and, and was, um, you know, kind of like, um, first and foremost, trying to really understand, you know, how the industry is developing, uh, in us, cause us and Europe, these were very different markets, uh, in, in terms of how basically mobile, uh, internet function at that point also carries had a, has a, had a major role uh, to play uh, and so yeah I think that combination or cross-section of interest like um, the background uh, on the creative side and, and marketing and kind of my um, uh, my interest and also the time I invested into kind of like understanding the mobile ecosystem and and um, and uncovering good opportunities like you know got us in this idea okay look advertising um, you know, will be big uh, uh, on mobile devices, and so clearly, like uh, you know, creative is super important. It's the most important element if you want uh, in advertising, because that's the message. How do you tell a story on mobile screens? And uh, you know, that got us to this, uh, you know, let's say aha moment that uh, we really want to be the company that enables uh, the you know the creative uh, part of advertising. So you know, how to actually bring more immersive experiences, interactive content, video uh, on, on mobile device in a like very scalable way. And so this is what we built. We built the first creative platform that actually uh, allowed like with a week production of, um, you know, this like uh, high impact uh, ad units and formats. Um, and, um, you know, then we also uh, developed an ad server and integrate an ad server with the with the production platform and this was uh, this was very important because you know the way we kind of designed the product uh, we really kind of like solved all these technical challenges of how you get creative on all these different like devices and screens and at the time you know there was very little standardization so 
you know, apps have different SDKs, like Embrave wasn't there as a standard. So this is a standard today that, you know, pretty much everyone, every SDK kind of like is built to that standard. But at the time, you know, the, the standards were non-existent. So we solved all this so you could, you know, create or build like very, you know, uh, engaging, very advanced, um, you know, ad unit. And then you could just easily kind of run this or serve this, um, you know, agnostically across the entire, uh, both like in-app and mobile web environment. And, uh, and so that was like a game changer at the time. Like we really led the way in enabling more advanced creative formats on, on mobile platforms. And um, yeah, like, like as soon as that product was there, like people that got it into the hand, they were like, wow, that makes sense. That's so easy. And we can overnight like offer much, much better advertising. And so that started to create a lot of value and the company took off. And you really have delivered on that promise to help marketers solve that content gap challenge. Yeah, look, this content gap came much later on. So, cause this is our new product. It solves, uh, you know, problem also, you know, um, it solves a problem for advertisers, but, um, you know, from, from a different side. So let me just kind of like step back and explain here, these two products. So our first product really, um, you know, uh, first and foremost helped like big media companies that were selling ad space to, to upgrade their ad products, so not just sell, you know, simple, small 50 by 250 banners, but you know, they, they could offer expandable, you know, ad formats that were interactive with carousels, with inline video. And uh, again, we were like, uh, you know, one of, one of the first companies enabling this at the scale in an agnostic way. And so, um, you know, the, the big media companies buying into this product, they could, you know, triple or quadruple their ad revenue. And so our also business model was, uh, uh, you know, just getting a, uh, a small portion of that incremental revenue they generated. So it's a, it's a CPM, so it's, you know, cost per thousand. So it's the same as an ad serving ad model. So that was very scalable. As soon as they started selling these ad products, um, you know, they like advertised were eager to do uh, on mobile phones, something else than just a simple banner. And, uh, and so with the rise of mobile consumption and more advertising moving to mobile platforms, our business was growing. So we were signing up, you know, mostly large publishers and ad, ad tech, you know, platforms such as various ad networks. And so that really became, um, you know, the, the, the main uh, source of growth. So then, you know, years later, uh, more around like, um, you know, 2007, um, the landscape changed uh, profoundly. You know, at the time, like social media took off in a big way. Uh, with that, like the kind of like the wall gardens, right? So uh, it's all, uh, you know, first party data, first party served. Uh, you can't really third party serve into, into social, uh, social platforms. So that was one big change. And then with that also in parallel, the, the rise of programmatic. So just, you know, media being transacted uh, mostly, you know, um, with the use of, of, you know, different kind of like data data assets and um, and that also like changed you know uh, profoundly the the entire space so uh, you know at the time we, we started kind of realizing that that our you know let's say um, you know 
uh, our business enabling media companies to uh, to offer more advanced ad formats and ad products will will take us you know to a certain level but we won't be able to really kind of like um, you know holistically address the needs of advertisers and we started building our, our second big product with uh, with the objective to really um, you know help advertisers so which means big brands and their their agencies to uh, to do you know creative uh, at scale uh, in, in a better way and so uh, you know this creative automation um, is addressing what you mentioned the content gap so you know brands need more and more content more and more channels and uh, you know also there's more advanced strategies today personalization localization um, you know contextual data so there's you know uh, just like many dimensions that actually are uh, fueling the the demand for for the volume of content these advertisers need and the cycles are faster and faster so you know our uh, our new product creative automation is addressing that so we're building a system that allows brands to scale um, you know the content creation and then also like manage and distribute this uh, and so um, yeah it's these are like you know two different problems uh, two different solutions but um, you know uh, at the end of the day like uh, our objective is always the same to enable uh, creativity um, and uh, and really to kind of like drive better results and better outcomes for uh, for marketers well it's a great great story and let's just take a moment you, you talked about you know the early days you had six or seven people Today, you're running a global operation. You're in Geneva. You've got people all over. Talk about the scale and growth of Seltra, because that's a pretty great story too, Micha. Yeah, I mean, look, Geneva, that's, um, that is a post, post-COVID uh, <laughs> setup for, for, uh, for me and my family. So um, as soon as uh, COVID uh, happened, we decided very early on to to just go fully remote. Uh, we knew that the world's gonna change uh, forever. And so a lot of our um, team members have you know, spread out in US. We, we have uh, employees in like 30 states now. Uh, we still try to, you know, to do as much as we can in person. So we do have offices and we're organizing what we call co-working weeks. And you know, we create a, a, a program and, and reason to kind of like for teams to come together. But, yeah, like we're definitely like these days, um, you know, people are living um, in, in many different countries and places. So for me, Geneva um, is, uh, is a location where, um, you know, it's, I can easily travel around. So it's very central in Europe from Slovenia to US. It's been always a challenge because again, it's a small country, uh, but from here I can easily fly. Um, you know, and otherwise it's just I, after 16 years in the US, I also, I, I do really enjoy you know, spending kind of my family time more in Europe. Um, that was another reason and then just uh, great schools and, and great place to live. But, um, you know, that's that's why why I'm here. So, uh, yeah, in terms of the team growth, uh, so, you know, we are um, slightly over 200, um, uh, you know, team members. I'd say like the fastest growth was really going from, you know, this first initial 10 to like 150. And then at some point, um, you know, we, um, uh, you know, just uh, yeah, like uh, the the team is is big enough, you know, for us to pursue the you know the kind of like our uh, product vision and, and the plans. Um, and um, yeah, it's I mean, once you you cross you know hundred, um, 
the dynamic changes once you cross 200 the dynamic changes again uh, you know my hope is that uh, with this new product we we will in the next couple of years again unlock uh, a, a new kind of like uh, growth phase and 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 will grow the company much more from here um, but yeah no it's been look I, I'd say I really enjoyed um, you know all these all these stages and and particularly like you know sub hundred when uh, you know these personal connections and also we were all in person uh, were it was just like easier to really like personally know you know each member of the team uh, extremely extremely well so nowadays this is a little bit harder but um, you know so we tried we try to, uh, to to really do as much in person as possible it's a great story. I loved our conversation sort of about the entrepreneur's journey. Uh, Seltra really, really sitting right at that cross section of creativity and technology. And uh, this was an absolute joy to talk to you. I can't thank you enough for joining us here on Great Minds. Yeah, thank you, Matt. It was nice talking to you as well.